Welcome to the Salty Music Teacher with Maddie Saltibus. Hello and welcome to the Salty Music Teacher. My name is Maddie Saltibus. I'm here again with Vicki Weber, who is from Chicago, and she writes children's books about music, and she was a former uh, elementary music teacher. Thank you Hi. so much for having me. <laughs> <laughs> great to see you again. Yeah, no, it's great to be here. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about your 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 books as an author. Um, do you feel like especially in today's world and society. And I mean, we're talking about Florida Bannon books and things like that. I know, <laughs> I know, I know, but it, it's one of those things I think to myself, it, does it make it difficult for someone like yourself who wants to help educate and also help others experience the different cultures and different ways that people live through music do you feel like it's a challenge that you're trying to also fight against others who probably may be against the ideas that you have? Yeah, I think it's hard because I do think that the people that are close-minded or judgmental or both are usually very loud people. They're usually very vocal people. Um, and The loudest person gets the say. In a lot right. of situations, right? Right. And because the people who read my stories and, you know, like them, a lot of them I'm never going to hear from. And that's fine. There are plenty of, I I never said anything to the author of like Esperanza Rising. You know, that's not yeah. something I would think to yeah. do. I didn't even leave a product review on Amazon and yet it made a big difference <laughs> Some, in my somebody's life. Somebody's going to feel though that they need to say something negative about your book though. Right. So yeah. it's, They're going to try to find something. I just feel it. <laughs> I I honestly, sometimes I even get, well, you don't, um, you don't look Hispanic enough to be, you know, writing about Puerto Rico. I'm like, that is your opinion. <laughs> what, yeah. What do you know? <laughs> I oh thank you. I'm going to take that. That person's never even been to Puerto Rico, probably. Right. Like, right. I um, mean... So you have silly things like that. And then you have the more serious topics of, you know, well, I don't understand why we're, we're pushing X, Y, Z, or this would have been a good story if X, Y, Z. And unfortunately, you know, those are the people that you're never going to change their mind but the impact you're going to have on these children and these parents who wish they had stories like this growing up, you have to, you have to push through and keep those things in mind that the positive impact will hopefully be better than the backlash from the people who don't want to see that change. Sure. You want to at least give people the option to have a, an experience. If you if you decide, hey, I don't want to write this book because I'm getting negative feedback about this and that, then you you actually restrict some poor kid who needs that encouragement, right? Uh, they need to see, like you said earlier, themselves through your books. Uh, and if they enjoy music, they need to see that with music as well. And so that's the kind of world I'm seeing more today, especially with my older kids. They need to see not only themselves, but they need to see that what they can do is is possible and um, without restriction, too, because how can you be creative 
if you're restricted all the time. And I think sometimes music does that uh, as far as restriction, because there's notes that's printed on the page. And obviously you need to follow the notes on the page, you know, so you're restricted in the creativity because you're reading someone else's idea. But books do the same, right? So you're reading the words that are on the page. You can't change the words. (laughs) And so the creativity is through your ideas that you have and the, you know, the different types of experiences you have. Speaking of being a little bit more creative, you wrote a book called The Song Garden. Tell me a little bit about this. Yeah. So that one is, that's one of my favorites. It's a little girl named Kala and her town has a showcase every year and they essentially the, the garden rows are the staff. And so they make a song garden and um, every year her family does it, but this year she's going to make her own. And so now they're making this, they're making the songs, the notes out of, uh, out of flowers. uh, flowers. Mm -hmm. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the flower colors coordinate with, with, uh, with boomwhacker colors as well. So they're playable in the music classroom too. Um, so she is excited to write her own song and then she gets to her plot and has no idea what to do. She's completely blank and she's filled with anxiety. <laughs> A true composer's dilemma. <laughs> right. She has no idea what to do. And so she kind of wanders around and looks, you know, her friends all have great ideas. Her, you know, family's putting stuff together and she sees her little brother helping her mom. And she says, you know, mom, aren't you afraid that he'll get it wrong? And her mother says, well, that's the best part about, you know, music like this. There are no wrong answers. And that clicks with her and that gives her, you know, the motivation to create something because at that point she was restricting herself because she was so afraid of, you know, in theory, putting pen to the page. She was so afraid of kind of putting her mark there because what if it's wrong? And I do think that kids today do face a lot of anxieties because there's right and wrong answers. Um, And some of them won't start a project because they're too fearful of doing it a way that their parents don't expect, that their teachers don't expect, um, that society doesn't expect. There's a lot of outside pressures that kids face. I, you know, and it's not just in music, it's in art, it's in, I don't know, it could be, you know, anything. Uh, It could be a sport, you know, like, (laughs) I got to go off to the side here and say, I went to my, um, my nephew and niece's baseball game. And they're like six years old, five and six, you know, that kind of thing. And I had never seen baseball played like that before. I mean, just (laughs) the rules were just thrown out. (laughs) At this point, but they were having fun. They were wearing the gear. They were more interested in socializing with each other. They were being active and running. And it's like, who cares what the rules of the game? Who cares who won? (laughs) Who cares who actually, I I cared actually who won. (laughs) I was probably the only one in there. Uh, But, uh, you know, that's the thing we got to think about when we're reading books, when we're playing music, and especially with young children. Uh, at the elementary level, you just have to be sensitive to understanding that they are so sheltered within themselves. So they restrict, like you said, they restrict themselves from being able to be creative. But I I tell my students that being unique is simply being themselves. Mm -hmm. You are naturally unique. You are naturally 
uh, creative if you were to just take the ideas that you have and don't worry about anybody else's, you know, thought. Um, that's what creativity is. You think these famous artists cared about what people thought about them? You know, <laughs> that's probably why they became famous. <laughs> right. Well, and I think it's also important for kids to recognize that there's a time and a place, you know, it, there's, especially in music, there is a time and a place for creativity, but there's also a time and a place for practice and restraint and, you know, they do go hand in hand and it is a, a fine balance. But I still remember I had one student who I, I loved this girl. Uh, she was a new student, though, and she kept cracking jokes. Fourth grader. And she wouldn't stop. So, you know, all my normal techniques didn't work and she's making the class laugh. And it's nothing like vulgar, but, you know, I'm trying to teach here. Of course. <laughs> you know, so I, I, I send her to the corner. I say, I need you to go over there. We'll talk in a minute. She's over there fuming um, because, you know, she got in trouble kind of a thing. And I go over there after everybody's occupied their next task. And I just say, you're a leader. And but people are willing to follow you. you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I told her, I said, you are a leader. And I, I told her, I said, you are so funny. And I don't want you to stop being funny. I love your jokes. But now in the middle of a lesson is not the most appropriate time for that because we have a different objective in this time. And we talked about, okay, where are appropriate times for you to be making these jokes? And she rattled and you, off. A and you told of her never. You told her never. never right? <laughs> You know, and she just looked at me and I, I I still remember the look on her face, but she just looked at me and she said, no one's ever called me a leader before. You know, that's a, that's a great way to kind of get them to understand that their uniqueness uh, is, is very different than they expect, Mm -hmm. you know, and And they just don't see it that way. They, they, a lot of them don't they don't always take to heart the compliments that they hear. And there are so many kids out there who only ever hear no. That's true. Yeah. Rather than, you know, yes, or here's the parameters or, you know, we hear no a lot. I even tell my daughter, she's a year old. I tell her no all the time. (laughs) And I try to be better about that. But there are some kids who, if they don't hear that you're a leader and therefore the choices you make affect others. The choices you make affect your learning. The choices you make affect your experience. That, it takes a while to sink in, but that does resonate with them. And they do need to learn that, that there is a balance. There is a time and a place. And, you know, that they shouldn't be restricting themselves in creative moments. But in other moments, It doesn't mean that you can't be who you are. It's just that it looks different in that space in that time. Yeah. And different is not necessarily uh, wrong or right. Mm -hmm. You know, tell me a little bit about, um, I was reading one of your books, uh, Laszlo Learns Recorder. I want to hear you explain this a little bit. Oh, that's a fun one. So that was my first musical book. And in that one, I I love the recorder. People think I'm obnoxious for that, but I love the recorder. <laughs> well, you played flute, so I mean. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I I just remember in so many of my classrooms, I've had lovely, lovely paraprofessionals. 
Um, but they, whenever we got to the recorder unit, looked so lost. Um, and of course they had the students that needed the most accommodations and the most attention oh, and the poor yeah. paraprofessionals like, I don't holding the recorder upside down. <laughs> right. They're like, I don't know how to help. I guess I'm learning recorder too. So yeah. I really wanted something fun because I had a lot of students who their parents wanted nothing to do with helping them learn recorder, which I don't blame them for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're too busy the- too. We, right. we, ha- we as teachers need to understand that a lot of these parents, they just, hey, you went to school. Mm-hmm. That's good. I'll see you when you get home. <laughs> right. And then I had, you know, I had my paraprofessionals and my assistants, you know, things like didn't know what they were doing. So it was only me. And especially in the beginning, uh, when we first start Recorder, that makes it very difficult for me to be pulled in so many different directions. So I thought it would be fun to have something where the reader learns how to play the recorder along with the main character Mm, Um, because then it could just be a fun read, but it also could be a tool that helps parents at home or helps kids teach themselves the recorder or helps a parapro with, you know, their uh, special ed student um, or perhaps visuals help with English language learners. You know, I just thought it would be an all around good tool and I picked a lemur specifically because um, they have five fingers just like we do. <laughs> oh, very. Yeah, very similar. Although in the book, you have the lemur play one note and it's just with one finger. <laughs> so yeah, you don't so use all he, the fingers, but. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, so he um, because you're supposed to obviously put this the second hand there. The problem was with the illustrations, it looked like his fingers were covering the recorder. Oh, interesting. <laughs> at the angle it was illustrated. So we had to put his arm down, which is not my favorite thing, but it works out because the second book is being illustrated in the fall and he will be using both hands intentionally oh, and purposefully. Yeah. I'll be watching um, out for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes, uh, and I have to kind of ask you about this, because I'm a very big stickler about this, you know, especially with commercials and I'm a string player. So uh, I will see a string commercial and I'll say, oh, they're just doing it incorrectly, you know, like not even (laughs) holding it right. You know, do you feel like that with your illustration? Someone came back with the artwork and you're just like, oh, this is not right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. I have to like train my illustrators what the heck I'm talking about. Like with with um, with Laszlo, I had to actually send videos of me teaching her recorder and like pictures of how I'm holding it. And, you know, no, his cheeks should definitely not be puffed up there. That's not what I want kids to see. Um, But then I Louis Armstrong style. (laughs) Right. Then I found uh, Genevieve who's illustrated. She's illustrated three of my books and she actually is a musician. And I tell her, Hey, here's my crazy idea. So she She actually knows what I'm talking about. So like something like when Step met Skip, any other illustrator would be like, I'm sorry, what now? <laughs> yeah, but you but could I see said. the musical notes on the actual cover mm-hmm. and you could see that it's directly towards it's music. all playable. Like I had to, we both were double checking that everything was playable and everything made sense. And where the last page and the next page went was coherent. There weren't any weird random jumps. It was very intricate, but I could come say, Hey, I'm turning step and skip into characters. She's like, Oh, that's a good idea. Here's, I've got some ideas for illustrations. 
instead of, I'm sorry, what now? (laughs) Yeah. Like, and that's what I liked about the Laszlo Learns Recorder, because I just hadn't seen a book that was as interactive as Mm -hmm. the books that you're writing, which is great because I, I mean, obviously it's a story, right? And it's not just a story. It's a story that if you also are learning the recorder, you can also play you know, what he's playing, you know, that kind of thing. And it's just a really cool feeling to see that the music and the notes are actually there. And obviously they're playable and they're actual music. Uh, And it's at a level where a student who's learning how to play, just like Lazlo is, is also being able to read the music as he's, uh, or he or she is uh, reading the book. So that's a really cool way. Um, So your books are also interactive, So I would highly recommend this, especially in today's world where kids kind of need that engagement. I mean, so many times as a teacher, uh, students get off track or they don't, uh, they just can't relate or they just don't feel like they have fun because you as a teacher, you're not a TikTok video. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You're not uh, as super high impact engaging and you have to be at the young level uh, already, but you know, I feel like technology kind of has made that a little bit more standard for kids to learn. Uh, what are your thoughts about that? I agree. I think that um, just social media, media in general, children are much more used to like that instant gratification, that instant entertainment. Um, and I think that that's part of the reason why interactive books are so popular Uh, But I also think it it combats the problem as well, because in a story, you're not getting the full experience until the book is over. You know, you're not going to read one page and be like, that was the best ever. No, you're you're (laughs) getting pulled along on a journey. And in an interactive book, you're a part of that journey. And so it does kind of force kids to slow down and look at the details and participate instead of just be an observer. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's one of the things I would love to see more often in our schools is more interactive books like that. I, I actually have a couple of books um, that have a lot to do with just storytelling of music, uh, but not so interactive. You know, maybe they're still relatable. Or maybe they still have a lot of substance to them, but it's not as interactive as interactive like your books are. So I really appreciate your style of writing. Uh, did you see any of these kind of formats of writing when you were starting uh, as an author? I saw them in uh, just some general audience books, like uh, there's a monster in your book or don't push the button. Don't let the pigeon drive the bus. Don't push the button. I, I kinda, I'm gravitating towards that one already. <laughs> yeah, that one's uh, that one's really fun. Um, you know, you get to shake the book and turn the book upside down and yell at the book. And I'll oh, see. And, we need more books like that. Right. And so that's why I I thought there was absolutely no reason why musical stories can't be like that, too. Actually, Rhythm Rescue. Um, okay. Yeah. A new book you have, right? Yeah, that one. Um, that one's actually my bestseller. But that one, uh, Tala is the main character. And she uh, is a superhero. But in order to activate her superpowers, you have to clap the correct rhythm. And there's two rhythms throughout. So it's perfect for elementary Um, And there's even a spread at the back of the book that says, oops, nothing happened. So if you're reading it as a teacher and you have the excited kid that just goes. Oh, wait, waiting for you. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, that- making stuff up. You can be like, oops, got to look at the rhythm and try again. Um, but, but this is a great example way. of a book that anyone can use in their music class and, and outside of music too. You could use this mm-hmm. in any type of class just to kind of have a little fun with your kids. And so, um, like I said earlier, this is just great stuff. So I really appreciate having you on. Are you ever thinking about making maybe a method book for a classroom setting? I do have some uh, activity books that go along with the picture books for the classroom. Um, those are a little bit more uh, more method-based, sure. but they mm-hmm. are activity books. Uh, and then I constantly have new ones coming out. The one coming out this summer is called Forte Moves to Town. And the dynamics are the characters in this one. So you actually get to see Forte as a character, <laughs> piano as a character. Uh, and it's all about how sometimes being loud is a good thing. Awesome. We got, well, you know, in the string world, we have a fun dynamic uh, game where, you know, uh, some people will say, oh, it's called hide the rosin or hide the bow. And so as, you know, everyone... Um, everyone is seeing where the rosin or item is being placed in the room and a kid is walking. And as they get closer to it, they're playing louder, you know, and as they're getting further away from it, they play softer. So it's a great way to kind of engage the students on playing loud and softer. So hopefully you do something like that in your books uh, to get the kids excited. Um, So where can we find these books? Like where, where am I shopping? Yeah, they're they're available uh, on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, anywhere books are sold. So you can request them at your local library, your local bookstore. If you want to shop small instead of shop big, um, just give them my name and what titles you want, and they can order them as well. Awesome. Also, uh, lastly, uh, any new books that are being released immediately in the next couple of months or so? Yeah, so Forte Moves to Town will be released this summer. Um, and then I have a couple more in the works that don't have release dates just yet. Um, they'll be either late 2022 or early 2020. Uh, oh my gosh. Yeah. 2023. <laughs> yeah. And, what year uh, are we in right now? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, know, and then, crazy. Uh, yeah. Laszlo Learns Recorder 2 is coming in 2023 and lots more surprises in the works. Awesome. And so I'm really excited about looking into that rhythm rescue. That that seems like it'll be a fun one. Do you have any other plans in your career? Um honestly, mostly at this point it's it's book related, but I'm a an author coach as well. So one of the things I do is I support other people who want to become published as well. So that does take up a lot of my time. I actually did just help a fellow muse teacher. She's a um a former band teacher. Uh, she wrote the book called Family Dynamics, Embrace Your Sound. Uh, and the character is a violin. And it's all about oh, the different yeah. families of the orchestra. <laughs> so I just helped her publish that one in March. Um, and I know she's working on book two as well. So, yeah. We'll have to look that one up. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I know I said last question, but I have to ask you <laughs> about your experience with Disney that just recently happened, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So they reached out to me. Um, I was already a best-selling author at that point, but they reached out to me before the book was even announced. Well, before the movie was even announced to the public. So um, I had to sign an NDA um, and I was sent, you know, the illustrations in the works. I was sent the movie script. Uh, and again, this was before 
the public even knew it was being produced. Isn't that so, cool? You feel so special. <laughs> yeah, it was really awesome. Um, it was a little bit tricky because it's like they give you the concept. And if you've seen Encanto, you know, there's a lot of characters, there's a lot of things that happen. And so putting it into a small book with a limited word count was kind of like putting a puzzle together. So it was a good puzzle. It was fun. Um, and yeah, definitely hoping I do more. Well, the kids are all over Encanto. Like I'm telling you, even last concert, that's all they were. We had a Disney concert uh, a couple of weeks ago, and that's I mean, number one requested um, next to, of course, other famous uh, Disney pieces. But Encanto was the number one. Yeah, yeah we don't want to talk about Bruno. Okay. <laughs> so, sure, guys. You know, it's kind of funny. But um, I really appreciate having you on. Thank you so much for, for joining me today. Uh, th- thank you again for all that you do for the children and for uh, students at, at the elementary level and those who are just looking to have a great time with reading uh, reading books about music and uh, about cultural experiences. So thank you so much for uh, doing what you do. Thank you for um, having me. Uh, this is the Salty Music Teacher. You can join us at uh, thesaltymusicteacher.com to learn more about myself, Maddie Saltibus. Uh, you can also email at thesaltymusicteacher at gmail.com. You can ask questions or give us suggestions about maybe some future episodes as well that maybe interest you. Thank you again and see you next week. Thank you.